But I saw the spot and it just, I was just, wow, this is beautiful here. What is this place? It's very magical. He was just amazed when he got there, more famously known as Scorpion Bay, one of the longest right-hand waves, perfect waves in the world. And you can go for 400 yards on a wave. Imagine that, four football fields. I'm always amazed how many more kiteboards I see every time I go to San Juanico now. Wake up in the morning, go out for your coffee, <laughs> and there's perfect waves peeling off. The lifestyle there is just, it's very unique. I don't know any place like it in Baja. It's a surf community, right. anyway. And I tell you, every time I talk to them, they, they all want to move there. I mean, they'd love to. You know, if I live in a place like that, I mean, I've got it made. <laughs> That's the cool thing about Baja, is that there's all these different places. It's so spread out. So when you think about Baja, what do you think of? Cabo San Lucas, you think of golfing, fishing, but for some of us, it's surfing. And today's guest, Greg Willis, Roneyball agent, friend, and trusted advisor, living in the Baja for over 40 years, we sit down and we talk about surfing. You're gonna really like this one. So, Greg, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, I wanted you to come on the podcast, Greg, because you've been here for over 40 years. 42 years, yes. In the Baja, and specifically in the Los Cabos area. And one of your passions, aside from selling real estate, is surfing. Mm -hmm. And so the Baja has a lot of great surfing spots, like in Los Cabos. If you're surfing in Los Cabos, where would you be going? Well, I go all over. I go on the Pacific side, down here on the tip of Baja, you know, El Tule, Costa Azul, and then a lot out to East Cape. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where I spend a lot of time on the weekends. If you're in the East Cape, where in the East Cape are you? La Fortuna is my favorite spot out there. Mm -hmm. Punta Perfecta also. Really good break, bigger break. And those are the two main spots I go to. But there's a lot more. There's, you know, probably 10 spots out there that are good. And if you're on the Pacific side, where would you be going, like within an hour's drive of time. Um, I go to Punta Pescadero or Pescadero Point there, they mm -hmm. call it. And uh, on the north end of Todos Santos, there's a really good break there, uh, La Pastora, mm -hmm. that I go to when the more in the wintertime when you get the north swells. Is that, so on the Pacific, because I'm not a surfer, mm -hmm. you know that, yep. you might not know that, but is that where you tend to go if you're on the Pacific side? Is the wintertime to surf? Yes, on the winter in the winter time. Yes, those are the two spots I go to the most up there. Okay. So the swells and tell tell me about the swells. Like what what does that mean? Well, the swells are you know the waves. The like when you talk about swells, you're usually talking about the swell forecast, how big the the wave swell actually is mm -hmm. that's coming. And uh, you know we look for a forecast that they have on uh, Surfline and some other websites that tell us the long range surfcast surf forecast. So we can tell when to go, when the best time is, the tides, because that makes a difference. Low tide, high tide, and uh, the direction of the swell, because some breaks, and I also didn't mention Cerritos, which is a little further south, but uh, it depends on the angle of the swell, which one is going to break the best. And it's the same on the East Cape, you know, where we get more of a southwest swell, or here in Cabo, in places like El Tule, Costa Azul, where you get more of a south, southwest swell or a west swell wrapping around the, the Cape area. All right. El Tule, that's in the middle of the Los Cabos corridor. Mm -hmm. um, is that all year round? No, it, it stops in by December, January, February. It picks up again. We start to get southwest swells from the southern hemisphere in March and April. Mm -hmm. And we start to see swells there. Okay. 
Uh, I lived right above that break for 24 years. So that was my home break there. And you would go like mornings, afternoons, both? Both, yeah. Morning and then the wind would pick up and then in the afternoon it would be, you know, winds would uh, come on shore and then in the late afternoon they would go offshore usually. So you're originally from Florida uh-huh. and that's where you learned to surf? Yeah, I grew up surfing down in Palm Beach, Florida on all the big spots down there. Smaller waves down there in general, mm-hmm. but uh, really good. And that's where I first got hooked. I started surfing when I was six years old. Six years old. Mm-hmm. And so how does Florida surfing compare to Baja surfing? Well, it's not as consistent Florida as it is mm-hmm. in, in Baja surfing. You know, there's there's more breaks here, more year-round. I mean, if you wanted to, you could surf almost every day here if you went and found the right break, okay. um, right direction for the swell. Very consistent and bigger. You mentioned Costa Azul, which is in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Is that all year round or is that No, it's the same. It's it's very similar to El Tule. A um, little bit better direction on some of the swells. Um, the only problem now is the waves get a lot more crowded because as development in Cabo has grown so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't surf there as much anymore. I surf tend to surf in the outlying areas more. I was last Sunday, two Sundays ago, at the brunch at the Cape Hotel. Mm-hmm. And Monuments, Monuments Beach is good. also surfing. Uh-huh. So um, what time of the year? They were surfing in September. So yeah. that's a good time. Monuments picks up swells uh, better than a lot of the areas because it's a little closer to the tip. So you get the swells that are wrapping around there get amplified more than sometimes they're further to the mm-hmm. west. You don't get so much or to, further to the east. But that's a great break. It's very rocky on the bottom. Yep. I used to surf there a lot when I was a boat captain. We used to take our ponga down there, me and my deckhand, and we'd be the only ones out. We did that for years. Oh, wow. And so that was a lot of fun. Great wave. Very different wave. What I remember also certain for the non-surfers, mm-hmm. there are certain surf breaks where it's better suited for the style of surfing you are. Like if you're... Right. What, what, what is the term? Like well, goofy, goofy foot? foot or regular foot. Yeah, regular foot are rights and goofy foot are lefts. People okay. who face the wave. And right foot forward, regular foot. Or excuse me, left foot forward, right foot back is regular foot. So the way this one was breaking, I was watching them. It was going Monuments Beach. It was going, I'm looking out at the ocean. Yeah. It's going this way. to the left, yeah. Right? And so what would that be for a goofy or regular? Well, that's a, a left. Either a goofy foot or a regular foot can surf it. You're just, if you're a regular foot, you're going backside to it. Uh And if you're a goofy foot, you're going frontside to it. And that has some advantages. But, you know, if you're good at either way you perform, Mm -hmm. you know, goofy or regular foot, you can rip the wave just as well. So you could do both? Uh Well, I don't, no, no. I don't go goofy foot. I'm a regular foot. I just go back. But you could go backwards. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter where it's breaking. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Not me. Not me. <laughs> Not me. We'll get you out on a boogie board. <laughs> so then the East Cape, you were saying the La Fortuna, is that all year round or is that No, it's the same as, you know, like Costa Azul would be. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a swell at Costa Azul, you'll have one usually at La Fortuna and some of the other breaks out that way. They're best, though, during hurricane season when we get the real big swells from storms, hurricanes that are coming up the coast or going more inside. Yeah. You know, that's when the big, big waves get there. So you you started in Cabo, you would surf like Monuments Beach. It's mm-hmm. probably a little bit too congested, so you go to the outskirts. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite place to surf? Well, one to, of my regardless of distance. 
Yeah, regardless of distance. I mean, in just the southern tip in the in, in Baja, in, in Baja, in all. Oh, my favorite area is Scorpion Bay. Okay, San Juanico also is, is mm -hmm. known. That's the town of San Juanico, but more famously known as Scorpion Bay, one of the longest right-hand waves, perfect waves in the world. So it's going the opposite for monuments. Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. when you say the one of the longest, what give me an idea of time or distance well I'll give you a good idea I took my son up there um, to learn how to surf when he was seven years old and he had never seen a wave like that because most waves you know you go 40 or 50 yards and you're done or even shorter um, when he got there he was just amazed at the ruler edged waves that would start on the point and there's seven points there but the first two points are where the longest it's a little smaller but the longest waves are and you can go for 400 yards on a wave. Imagine that, four football fields on a perfect wave that just keeps going and going and going to the point where you're almost so tired that you'll kick out early and paddle back. Otherwise, you're going to walk the beach all the way back. That's the same wave you're riding? Yeah. yeah. And how is that like two minutes or how, lo how long is that? Yeah, it's probably it's about a two-minute long wave. I mean, it's... Uh, I think I timed it one year and it came out to about a little over two minutes on, on the really long waves. Wow. But it is it is a very long wave. And you could take five waves and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> when you're a kid anyway, right. you know, you're tired. Like, that's a long wave. How far is that from Cabo? Well, it's about an eight-hour drive, seven to eight-hour drive, depending on how fast you go. Mm -hmm. um, when I first started going to Scorpion Bay, it was way back in the late 80s. And I'd actually been there earlier on a boat to anchor mm -hmm. during some real windy conditions on our trip north. And I had heard about it before, but when we anchored in there, there was no surf, but I saw the spot and it just, I was just, wow, this is beautiful here. So I was really anxious to get back there again. So a couple of years later I did, I, I took, made the drive up there. I had a four wheel drive Bronco and it took me longer than eight hours though, because the roads weren't paved then. Mm -hmm. You had to go through La Purisima and way inland and go across a real rocky uh, arroyo with a dam on it or kind of a rock road across it. And it was really horrible, a horrible road. So it took me, I think, close to 14 hours to get there from Oh, Bible. my gosh, the double. But it was really amazing. I mean, I camped out on the point first time I was there. There were good waves. And I started going back almost every year, you know, two or three times a year mm -hmm. since then. And my son learned to surf there. Um, I love to go there because, you know, you can always find good waves, pretty uncrowded, and the town is really beautiful. And as our photographer, Renato, he uh, went up there with us, saw yeah. for the first time. He was just amazed when he got there. Start, we started driving uh, on the road into it from the main highway. And you just look at all the beautiful scenery. And it's like, wow, what is this place? It's very magical. How big is the town? Oh, wow, there's probably only hazard to guess probably 1200 people okay so uh, something like that it's much smaller than a los barriles a oh, yeah. todos santos yeah. maybe an el triunfo size? yeah yeah no a little maybe a little bigger than that okay maybe a little bigger i mean it's uh it's just not very populated i mean the whole town is just maybe like uh, a mile wide you know mm. one square mile or yeah. whatever um and, you know, with all the ranches included, there's probably 12, 1,500 people. What's the real estate market like in Scorpion Bay? It's growing. You know, there's not any real big, you know, real estate operations there anymore. There's a lot of interest happening, a lot of new houses being built. 
And all the all the properties that have been there and been on the market in some way have just been done by kind of local uh, people who had done real estate before and marketed them privately on the internet. Now some other companies are starting to realize the potential of it and representing properties up there as we are. And I mean, it's a, it's a very beautiful market for anybody that wants to have a home. It's off grid right now. Uh, it does have power in town in some of the areas in town. Uh, but most of the big houses are on the points that just outside of town. And I'm, when I say outside of town, it's like less than a mile. Okay, so you can walk if you wanted to. Well, you could walk. Most people just, you know, use a razor or a right. regular car just to drive into town. But it's, um, th- those homes are, you know, the bigger homes. They're on larger parcels, uh, two and a half acres, mm-hmm. most of them that are beachfront. And those are the ones that people are starting to build a lot more of. Mm-hmm. And the ones that have been built for a while some of the owners, you know, they're older or decided to move on or family matters, they're selling them now. Sure. And there's very few of them available, but we actually represent one of the best ones there, I think. Yeah, right. and that's why I wanted you on the podcast is because, one, to talk about the area, Scorpion Bay, which I kn- I've known you for a number of years and you would go multiple times yeah. in a year. It's like, I'm going to be gone for a week. I'm going to Scorpion Bay. It's that what about work next yeah. year? Okay. You're like, well, there's kind of internet and phone coverage. And so yeah. I'll be checking my phone periodically. Yeah. And it's the owners of your listing mm-hmm. contacted us uh, a couple months ago. Yeah. And you were the obvious person being an expert of that area, going there multiple times a year, um, being a surfer. Um are the owners surfers themselves? Yeah, the owners uh, are surfers, kiteboarders, kite surfers. They do pretty much everything. Okay. And they built that house because they love that area. That's what they wanted to do. And mm-hmm. they've been doing that for many years now. So, so kiteboarding also. Uh-huh. And so Los Relays in La Ventana in the East Cape mm-hmm. side of the peninsula is very popular. Yep. What are the differences on Scorpion Bay? Or kiteboarding? Well, I'm not an expert in kiteboarding, but I know, you know, as far as the consistency of the wind, Scorpion Bay is one of the best just because it has wind all year round. Mm-hmm. The wind is gustier though. I mean, they get some pretty strong offshore winds there, which are great for people that really want to go fast or foil boarding and stuff like that. And where places like Los Briles and Ventanas is a more consistent wind, and some people like that better. Um, they all have their attributes, but I'm always amazed how many more kiteboards I see every time I go to San Juanico now because a lot of the people that are in some of those other areas where it's getting more crowded, Mm -hmm. um, they go up to San Juanico and they kind of have a lot of room to play. And it's easy for people to learn there too because there's a beach, a very shallow beach Mm -hmm. walk-in for a long way. So you can learn and fall down and whatever and you're not in deep water. And that goes for foil boarding, kite boarding, whatever, and uh, learning all the basics. I remember months ago I was up at our project at Monteraya in Loreto, mm-hmm. and Kerry Lowe, yeah. he's a surfer, uh-huh. paddleboarder, and he was telling me that from there, there's a way to drive across the peninsula yeah. and be there in maybe three hours, four hours. Yeah, it's right? about a it's about a three and a half four hour drive. It, it depends on road conditions. It can be really rough and almost impassable. But you can go from there. Loretto, you know, is a really mm-hmm. beautiful old, old town. And as you go across, there's ruins of different things. 
and you go through some beautiful scenery in the Sierra, and then you drop down through uh, San Jose de Comandú and San Miguel de Comandú, which are like towns that are lost in the in time. They're from like back. All the buildings are from the mid 1800s or so, some uh-huh. even older. And it's where one of the first missions was built up there. Uh-huh. And it's in a, a big gorge that's filled with palm trees and it's got water. It's like an oasis and really beautiful area. Inhabited or? Yeah, it's inhabited. Really? But everybody lives in these homes that are like, you know, almost 150 or years, so years old. Uh-huh. And I've made a lot of friends up there over the years. I mean, they make wine up there. They Like they grow own, the grapes? Or? Yeah, they grow their grapes. They have vineyards with stocks of vines that are like super thick you know really old they're missionary grape stock vines uh-huh. and uh, everything's done kind of in a very primitive way but they have a wine festival every year and really, really small and they've got a nice little boutique hotel there it's a oh, lot that's, of fun there. that's freaking cool yeah. oh, what yeah. time do you know what time of the year that kicks off i think it's in november uh-huh late october coming soon? november yeah yeah oh geez yeah. i didn't know did you yeah. know that no. <laughs> There's lots of that's stuff crazy. in Baja you don't know about, but that's the fun of being here is you discover all these different things in Baja that you never realized were there, and then it draws you back over and over again. You take your kids there, right. you take their your grandkids someday. Um, that's the, the beauty of it. So why would someone ever consider buying real estate in Scorpion Bay? Well, I think that History probably teaches us a good lesson about that. Imagine if you could go back in time, 1930s or 40s, when you know surfing was in its very infancy, right? And you could have bought a house on Malibu Point, you know, one of the most famous surf spots in California, long, perfect wave, mm-hmm. very similar to San Juanico. And you could have bought a house there. What would it be worth now? I mean, you're like, wow. Yeah. But just the fact that it's on a surf spot there, you know, a, a, just a... A beautiful, perfect wave. You can do that now in San Juanico in homes that are on a lot of land. You know, they're uh, one hectare, which is 2.4 acres roughly, right on the points, overlooking all the surf breaks. So you wake up in the morning, go out for your coffee, mm-hmm. and there's perfect waves peeling off. Now, if you're a surfer, that's almost impossible to resist because if you look at some of the pictures of Casa Lava, for instance, online, which is right out on third point, just a little past third point and in between third point and fourth point, mm-hmm. they wake up in the morning and there's when there's waves, there's just perfect surf up to double overhead. Right. That's big. <laughs> uh, peeling off for hundreds and hundreds of yards. And, you know, it... You see that in the morning, and it just gives you a rush. You want to be out there. It just gets your adrenaline going. Right. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. You feel that, and you you know it's it's an amazing feeling. But being having that access to the waves in a small community that's not crowded. You know, it's a really everybody knows each other. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, full time surfers have moved there from all over. You know, the West Coast mostly, but also from the East Coast. And the lifestyle there is just, it's very unique mm-hmm. and really, it's really fun, got a great vibe. And, you know, there's, I don't know any place like it in Baja that's a surf community. Right. Anyway, that's, I mean, you can have access to, it's got like four or five stores. Um, you can get everything you need there. There's a local doctor in town, police station, all that. Um, so you can get all the services you need, the basic, very basic. Sure. 
And then if you need more, you can go make your Costco run to Cabo or La mm-hmm. Paz or whatever. And uh, but it's um, it's a very attractive lifestyle, I think, for a lot of people nowadays that are tired of living in really crowded cities. Um, you know, with all the things going on in different places, they're tired of it. They were at retirement age. A lot of people they just want to move somewhere where they can really relax and be more excited about the waves every day and worrying about if they have enough wax rather than to wax their surface, yeah. rather than anything else in their life. Right. And if that's you know for that kind of person that wants to do that, this is an amazing, amazing opportunity. This house is just it's it's got it's so well built. The owner is a retired fire fireman. Uh-huh. He built everything like you know you see a fire truck and everything's perfect. Right. They have to you know make sure everything's clean and absolutely installed perfectly. That's how he built the house, and it's probably the nicestly built house in that area. I think you know from what I've seen. Wow. Um, with the best equipment they have uh, for off grid, they have a 15 kW uh, solar system, which is really a big solar system. Mm-hmm. Backup generator, huge water tank because your water is trucked in. But they have everything there to make life very, very comfortable. It's not like you're going to be worried about power and water all the time right. and all that stuff. It's uh, very sustainable. Well, when you gave me the specs of the house, two and a half acres, um, all that construction on the beach, you know, hundreds of yards, meters of uh, waves, mm-hmm. your favorite spot to surf in Baja Sur. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you told me the price, you know, less than $1.4 million. Mm-hmm. You take something on a quarter of that size mm-hmm. lot and you put it in Cerritos, the land alone is going to cost you a couple million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to build the house. Mm-hmm. So the value is there. Yeah. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the surfer kind of, they could be very territorial, right? And so they don't want the novice necessarily in their on their waves. And so having something more remote actually fits a lot of surfers' lifestyle. Yeah, well, you become part of the community there too. You know, mm-hmm. plus if you live right above the surf spot, that's kind of like makes you part of the community of right. the surf community anyway. So um, it's very easy to you know get involved with the rest of the. People who surf there, everybody becomes friends and knows each other, like I said, and, yeah. you know, do dinners together and stuff like that. So, you know, it's uh, that's the camaraderie there is a special part of it, I think, for a lot of people once they move there. So aside from Baja, where else have you surfed? You surfed in Florida where you learned uh-huh. and Baja. Yeah. Where else in the world? Well, I spent uh, quite a bit of time down in the mainland Mexico surfing a lot of the spots down there. But uh, Costa Rica is actually my favorite. I brought a boat through the Panama Canal mm-hmm. and we surfed a lot of different spots, but I really had fun in Costa Rica. Uh-huh. I, we surfed like probably six or seven different really good spots there. And uh, I took my son back on two trips there uh, later in the in the uh, 2000s, late 2000s mm-hmm. and surfed there and just went all over the place, same spots again. and. Really nice. I, uh, Mark Sherman, who's mm-hmm. in our Toto Santos office, he's a surfer mm-hmm. and he just got back earlier this year from Asia uh-huh. and he went to Indonesia. Indonesia and yeah, yeah. He was there for five weeks and yeah. it's like, one I'm of surprised those, he came back. I I, <laughs> <laughs> he did come back and he's busier than ever. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's one of the special things that I hear from surfers is that there's so many different surfing beaches yeah. in the Baja. 
and whether you're on the Pacific side or on the East Cape or Sea of Cortez yeah. side. Well, you know, to me, Baja is a lot like Florida, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida, you know, started kind of in the early 1900s, attracting people. My grandparents there had one of the first houses in Palm Beach, Florida. And, you know, people weren't surfing then, but, it, you know, the surf spots were really good. And it grew and grew and grew. And now Baja's developing. And the Baja's twice as long as, uh, Florida. you know, Florida. More potential, a lot of undiscovered spots still, spots that nobody gets to very often. And that's the cool thing about Baja is that there's all these different places. It's so spread out. So if you get tired of one wave, you can go to mm. another one. But not many people who live in San Juanico, Scorpion Bay, get tired of that wave. I mean, it's a pretty amazing wave. And when it's good, it's incomparable to most other waves in Baja. So for any surfer, I think the, the feeling they get is that, you know, if I live in a place like that, I mean, I've got it made. It's like yeah. everybody else is going to be envious. There are people who rent homes there seasonally or just for a few days. And I tell you, every time I talk to them, they, they all want to move there. I mean, they'd love to. They just can't because, you know, their lives are whatever tied sure. up wherever they, they're from. But to have the opportunity to actually do it, and some people are in that position, it's an amazing opportunity. I mean, it's still $1.3-something million, mm-hmm. but the way real estate has been the last few years in the Baja, yeah. that's like a bargain. That's it's like a, yeah. people are paying that easily yeah. for condominiums. Yeah. Um, it's like if you got homes. here in the 70s or 80s and bought a house in Palmia Point, uh-huh. you know, maybe paid 500000 for it or something, yeah. and now it's worth seven or $8 million. That's kind of like what San Juanico is. Cool. Well... Thanks for telling us about your experience. And just last question. Mm-hmm. Um, since you've been here for 40 plus years, what does the Baja mean to you? Well, it, it means so much I couldn't explain it all very easily or put it in a nutshell. But it's, it's uh, a place that it's an environment where there's so much adventure and life experiences that you have like no other place I've ever been. And... Uh, if anybody who's talked to me for a while, I can tell them stories that just go on and on and on, all the things I, I've done here that you can't do if you live in many other places in the world. Yeah. And I've been able to you know, have my son be a part of that, which he loves, and was really cool for him to go and experience all those things. And that's something more special than anything to me. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Greg. And... Um, the next podcast, we'll do something else, other interests of yours, which you have a lot. And so today was surfing, but the next one will be, who knows, um, shark teeth. Yeah, something like that. There's plenty more to talk about. All right, great. Thank you. All right. Thank you again. And until the next one, bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nick Fong Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Ronaval Real Estate. And follow Nick on Instagram at NickFong underscore Ronaval. Ready to find your Baja dream home? Check out the latest property listings at Ronaval.com or findmexicohouses.com. Hasta luego.